Kaya Talk on Kaya 959. On the street, on the air. This is My Money and Me. I'm Sumitra Naidu. And we're now in our Money Lessons feature. And my guest this evening is Gracia Bampile. She is the founder of Hort Africa and one of the many African designers who are so, so passionate about African clothing. Her love for these designs has made a household name for all things African fashion. A very good evening to you, Gracia. Thank you so much for your time. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Gracia, tell I'm me. <laughs> tell me, where did this love for fashion come from? So I started when I was seven years old, but it was accidentally. I got a dress that I didn't like. And mm-hmm. I guess subconsciously since that day, I just always thought of what I could have done different. Or if I, if I was the one who made the dress, how I could have made that dress different. Was it? And I, yeah. I started by hating the dress so much that I... <laughs> somehow ended up loving fashion. That's so interesting. Was it was, was it always the plan, though, to start a um, a fashion company? It wasn't. I mean, I always wanted to be a fashion designer, but I mm. never really sat down and planned and maybe got a business plan and actually had a time enough to when I would start my fashion brand. I, I always had it like at the back of my mind, like hey, it would be great, but it wasn't a, a, a plan that I set out. But you did it anyway. I did, yeah. <laughs> also accidentally. <laughs> so. I mean, it's you know, I look at your, I look at your, um, at, at at some of the outfits um, that you make, some of the dresses, and they're absolutely beautiful. But it does look like there's a lot of thought that goes into it. The fabric is amazing, and of course, you travel the continent and you represent different countries so beautifully um, through these clothes. I find it so hard to believe that you didn't actually put a whole lot of effort and thought into actually starting this business. <laughs> Tell me how you got it off the ground. Um, so you know, I, I'm I'm half Congolese, mm-hmm. and Congolese African wear is our everyday wear. You know, um, right. based on a specific African print is worn. You actually you actually wear it everywhere at work, at the office, at home. So I think maybe growing up and just seeing different African fabrics being used and being worn by my aunties, by my mom, by my grandma, I think subconsciously I just learned how to put colors together and what to mix, what not to mix, and how to use the fabrics. That's uh, and and uh, you know when we were chatting earlier, you said that you know you brought that. I mean, it's everyday wear in uh, in Congo, but when you came to South Africa and you were doing the same thing here, wearing the clothing, you know, the African prints, people looked at you and um, thought, "Wow, um, you know, where's yeah. this? Where's this from?" I mean, it was unusual because a few years back, I mean, we weren't. I mean, you know, students are wearing yeah. very westernized fashions. True. At first, I thought it was a bit weird when people would stop and ask me where I got this and tell mm. me, oh my God, this is so beautiful. I'm like, what is so pretty about this? Because I was used to, uh, you know, I was used to everyone wearing African print and it not being a very big deal. So when I first, when because I, I was at this and I would always get stopped during my lectures or my way to lectures, I also it very weird that I would get stopped for like a simple pencil skirt. You know, when you, when you started, when you started, you say you didn't put a lot of, it wasn't the plan. I mean, you were studying, you were studying something else. You were studying international relations. It wasn't exactly the plan to start a Port Africa. Where, when you decided that, okay, fine, you're going to do it. Um, where did you get the funding from? Was that a bit of a challenge for you? How did you manage that? So I went uh, on a trip to Kenya and I saw some fabrics and I was like, you know, I love the uh, 
pick for your fabric. So I said, let me just buy the, because I, I was waiting for a job after I had applied to different companies and I was waiting for them to actually respond. One of them being the UN, I did get a response in the end, mm-hmm. you know, and I was employed there. So I said, you know what, let me just buy a couple of fabrics and my $100 would, would, would be equal to, to five fabrics. So I said, okay, I'm going to buy the five fabrics, come and sell them and just make a small profit. And then probably if people like them a lot, I'll just sell more fabrics and sell more fabrics. And when I bought the fabrics, people were more interested in what I was doing with the fabrics. So they would be like, oh, I want to wear that. I want to order this this fabric, but can you make me the skirt that you're wearing in this fabric? And I was like, I don't make, I don't have the particular machinery to make clothes and I also was doing my exams I, I didn't really want to do another distraction but the interest became so loud I couldn't ignore it anymore and then you started and the thought, yeah I also thought oh okay well if people want clothes then I'm gonna sell the clothes amazing hey uh, I mean the I mean the clothes are so beautiful and the prints are amazing I quite like them um, myself I mean looking at you know how you actually, your thoughts around money and how you started this. I mean, you took a bit of money and you went and bought the fabrics and you started there. Was there anyone that actually shaped your views around money? Well, what's your relationship like with money? With money. Um, I remember when I was 10 years old, my uncle gave me a, a piggy bag and he was like, you know what? Make sure you work hard, collect coins, do house chores, wherever you can get coins, put them in the, in the piggy bag. And then when it's full, bring it to me and I'll give you the cash. Yeah. So I, after six months, he got full. I went to him. I'm like, hey, here's my my coins and I have the cash. I went and bought donuts. Something very silly <laughs> happened over and over. And then he was like, one day he was like, so what do you do with the money that I give you, the cash? I'm like, oh no, I just buy donuts. He's like, no, 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 no. Why don't you save the money mm-hmm. and then use it to buy something substantial? I said, okay, I'm gonna. So I started saving the money, and it got to a point where I saved a lot of money, and then it's still in the piggy bank. So I would get the cash, put it back in the piggy bank. And then one day I came from school and it had disappeared. <laughs> oh, no. That's awful. Yeah, and I was traumatized. I cried for days. What I learned from that was you don't just leave money lying around. You have to invest it and you have to use it. Also, when it's lying around, it's, you know, you're endangering yourself. You know, you're also not, it's not building, it's not growing. But also don't use your money also on like donuts and sweets. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't be leaving hour. money around. It's too tempting. I mean, can you blame the person for actually walking past and not taking it? So, I mean, who manages the business now? Who manages the financial affairs of this business? Do you do everything or do you have people to do it? I do everything myself. And what's that like for you? It's honestly a strain. I would much rather just focus on designing clothes. But unfortunately, when you're a business owner, you have to do the things that you're not, you don't feel like doing or you don't want to do. If I could have it my way, I would just design and not worry about any other aspect of the business. But I can't, I can't do that. That is the pains of being an entrepreneur. You have to have a hand in the business all the time and manage it properly. I mean, what were the other challenges for you? I mean, how do you, how do you, I mean, now you invest. I mean, you won't leave your money lying around. You get uh, good sound advice. Does, do you do that on your own? Do you go out and look for your own investments? So um, I, I went to the bank a couple of years ago and I was like, I have money. Not that I have a lot of money, but, you know, I, I wanted to to, to save better because obviously you know, learning that at 10 years old was a very hard lesson to learn. Mm. And they offered me like plans, like here's what, what you can um, yeah, 
so that's why then I went and I was like, okay, I'll put this, I'll use this one and that one and kind of a few. How did you, how did you get through the whole, how did, I mean, we're still going through COVID, but I mean, through the lockdowns, I mean, you've just recently just opened another store in Rosebank. How did you manage through COVID? To be really honest, I wouldn't, I, I would, I, I would just say it's God, you know, I wouldn't even want to put any attribute to what I did, but I, I guess learning money lessons when you're young also, as much as yes, the company prior to COVID, I was still saving. I, I could have saved better and I realized maybe I could have saved much better. I would have been a better financial position, but I still did manage to save a, a, a couple. Mm-hmm. And also the plan to open Rose Bank was, was done way before COVID hit. Yeah, Actually, COVID hitting hindered. The store was supposed to open, I think it was March. So everything was already in plan. COVID, it's not, it's not that the store opened during COVID. It, it was already in plan the, the year before. But during the lockdown, I mean, did you have to, surely you had to close at some stage? Oh, so I, I opened it. I ended up moving the, the launch ah. to September. So I think by that time, there was a little bit more movement in more. Sure. The, uh, you were lucky to able to, that you were able to actually move that launch because, you know, so many people actually had leases out and they still needed to service those oh, rentals yeah. while people were closed. So, Gracia, yeah. tell me what are your weaknesses? So we know you love fashion, but is there anything else? What do you uh, splurge on? Do you I'm, splurge? <laughs> I'm a humanitarian, so I'm a giver. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I give way out of my pocket. So if I have like, let's say, a hundred rand lying around, and someone is like, "Can you can you please give me ninety rand?" I'm like, "Okay, fine. Here's a ninety rand." Forgetting that tomorrow I might need that hundred rand or that ninety rand, and so that is a weakness. And two, I love eating out, which you don't actually see how it accumulates. But end of month, you're like, "Whoa! I didn't know oh, yeah. how much money." Uh, was was spent on food and I love shoes. That's a weakness, <laughs> huh? a big weakness. <laughs> so you spend a lot of money on shoes and food. Are you a foodie? Such a foodie. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you eat these really fancy meals, little bits on the plate, and it you it costs an arm yeah, and a leg. And- <laughs> And also buying them to cook at home. So it's really just, it's a, it's not a good thing. I don't think mine is one. Well, at least you have something to fall back on. Uh, you can actually cook. If if the budget gets really tight and you can't uh, afford those expensive restaurants, you'll just stay home and cook. Sure, sure. <laughs> Gracia, thank you so much for your time this evening. Go well. That was Gracia Bampile, the founder of Hort Africa. What a lovely conversation. And if you haven't actually seen any of the outfits that Hort Africa makes, please do yourself a favor and check them out. They are online. There's also a store in Rosebank if you are in Johannesburg. Absolutely beautiful fashion. And it just it just says Africa all over, all over those dresses. Thank you so much for joining me this evening that's our bit for tonight my money and me will be back next tuesday at eight o'clock please be safe kaya talk monday to thursday 7 to 9 p.m on kaya 959 on the street on the air